to the Hooligans pitch. Uh, it's a little bit different today. Michael's out with an illness. He was not match fit for this one. So here I am. I gotta give it to the people. We still rock it with the Hooligans pitch today. So I'm alone, but in solidarity with Michael's illness, sticking to water today. Um, let's jump in to match day 16. See what, what craziness happened over the weekend. And you know there was some... Um, let's see, you know, first, I'm just going to go down the list here. It's how I play it this week. No Michael of, control me, huh. <laughs> I kid. Um, anywho, <laughs> let's get into Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. Um, wow. Allison coming back was huge for Liverpool in this game. I mean, he only made three saves, but I argue they were three vital saves. I mean, especially at the end of that game, um, you know, Liverpool got the, the lead right at the start of um, stoppage time, and Crystal Palace nearly tied it up off of a free kick, um, if not for Allison's big save. And he had a couple more throughout the game. Um, so, you know, that's just... That just shows how important he is to that team. Um, I think I saw that he has denied and expected, like, 11 or 12 goals or something that's nuts um, but hey that's the kind of players you need in a team that's fighting for the Premier League fighting in well Europa League this season but would be Champions League so um, you know good to have him back I guess um, do gotta talk about that VAR call just cause it kinda plays into <laughs> later game um, you know Crystal Palace Dude runs in for the ball. Defender comes, gives him a little challenge. Um, you know, it looks soft. I'd agree it's soft. But um, we've seen that called before, right? It, it's it's never a uh, an easy uh, call, I guess. Like, they, they look so soft, but then, again, as we've talked about on this podcast time and time again, you slow things down, you can nitpick and, and make contact look more significant than it really was. Um, they wanted to try and argue that his standing leg was, like, taken out um, in, in the process of getting that ball. I don't know. It felt soft to me either way. Um, but, again, it's a foul we've seen called, so... It makes sense. I, I'm I'm okay with it for now, <laughs> but we'll get to the uh, the later call um, in a bit. <laughs> but uh, wow, um, you know Harvey Elliott gets the winning goal right at the the start of stoppage time. So that was just Chef's kiss of a goal. But like Crystal Palace, you just gotta t try and press the guy. You just you let him walk up and and take this shot. So. Props to Harvey Elliott. Um, definitely gets Goal of the Week nomination from me. And um, just because we are kind of unintentionally keeping track of it, Crystal Palace used five subs. Roy Hodgson, five subs equals loss. He's he's making a list so he can show the board that we don't do five subs at this club, you know? Anywho, on to the next one. Uh, we had Wolves versus Nottingham Forest. Um, look, Matty T, he's back in action, okay? He uh, rightfully, I think, gets his place back. Um, their other keeper just, like, wasn't really doing it, wasn't really making enough saves, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's not solely on the keepers here. It's a 
team issue as well. Um, but hey, nice to see Matty T back out there getting a the start. Um, you know, this game was um, a little more back and forth, or uh, I guess like level playing field than I expected it to be. Uh, the the Wolves' defense, I felt like it was just like they were just sleeping, you know. Um, Toffolo gets a great header, but like Wolves' defense just kind of let it happen. Like no one really made any significant challenges or or tried to make it too difficult. Um, but hey, that that's how it goes when you're you come out a little bit slow. Um, you know, Wolves got a, a a goal back through some pretty nice quick passing. I think uh, when Pedro Neto comes back into this side, not only will it help my fantasy team, but, uh, you know, I think Wolves' attack is, like, starting to get figured out, and, and having Neto healthy and out there every game will help make this a more potent team. Um, it's not to say that I think they'll move too much in the table. It looks like defensively now they're kind of struggling. Um, you know, Nottingham Forest had a good handful of shots, and, and chances this game, but uh, just didn't didn't have the finishing, didn't wasn't clinical enough. So, you know, one one draw I think is uh, pretty fair on the day. Um, ooh, let's move on to one of my favorite games of the weekend: United versus Bournemouth. Ugh, what a treat this was for football fans around the world. You know, uh, Player of the Month Harry Maguire, Manager of the Month uh, Ten Hag coming in at home against Bournemouth. Easy clap, right? For Bournemouth, you're right. <laughs> um, I, I, maybe it's a play, uh, player of the month curse? Manager of the month curse? Who knows? Um, but damn. United just was not on it at all. Like, Bournemouth has definitely stepped up in, in recent weeks. Um they're getting their their game together. They're they're starting to look more threatening, more secure in the back. And wow, it just you know, Solanke just uh just kind of flicks his way through and 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 <laughs> and finds a nice goal. Um, you know, Billing gets up to a a great header, but he's between two United defenders and I mean, yeah, I think it maybe was Dallow on the backside. He came in pretty late to that, but, like, you shouldn't be coming in late to that anyway. You should be following your runner and really uh, challenging for that. But, you know, it just... That's just how it, this United team goes, I guess. It, it's some people are on, some people are off, and uh, you can't win them all. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, yeah, the third, just, like, no one defends that corner at all. Um, <laughs> Bournemouth was just kind of cruising at this point. Uh, very nearly made it 4-0 right at the death. Um, got a little unlucky with the, the deflection of that ball to pop off his hand. But that's the way the handball rule goes, right? If it's uh, if it pops off your hands, intentional, close to your body or, 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 or not, you know, leads to a goal, then uh, it's called a handball, which that'll come up later as well. <laughs> Ugh, but uh, yeah, yikes for United and I just I I don't know what the attitude's got to be like in that locker room right now. You're coming off a rough few weeks. You got the win over Chelsea, but Chelsea's been pretty poor for a while. Um, 
you know, you lose 3-0 to Bournemouth at home, which is definitely a shock. So maybe it's a little, it'll be a little bit of a wake-up call, hopefully, you know, for United fans. But um, to come off of this performance and go right into Liverpool next week, that's going to be a doozy. I mean, you're away at Liverpool. You have a very recent history of getting absolutely battered by Liverpool. You're now going in there without Bruno because he decided to get a yellow card for descent, which is like the dumbest move he could make like that that's that's not the uh the attitude or the composure you need from your captain we know bruno is a little bit more emotional in this and, and does complain and um sulk a little bit when things aren't going his way but to now miss such a a, a rivalry game of, of united versus liverpool because you just you got your yellow fifth yellow card for de- descent is just a shame. I'm sure Bruno was wishing that Sinbin was like active and gut and uh, in in the Premier League already, and you know he could just take that instead of the ban. But here you go. That's your captain missing a a big game away from home. If I'm United players, fans, coach, anyone involved. I'm pretty nervous going into next weekend. Anywho, um, let's see. You got Brighton versus Burnley next. Sorry, got a drink. Um, yeah, you know, Brighton is looking better, I'd say. Um, certainly not back to how they started the season, not as uh, clinical and, and fluid and... I guess maybe well-rounded um, as they started the season, but they've had their handful of injuries. Um, you know, Matoma's still working his way back, but when he's out there, he he looks very threatening. Um, you know, he's he's still dribbling at players. He's causing a lot of issues. Um, he's exciting to watch, and and if they can get him up to full speed, full fitness again, I think Brighton will will find the wins again. Um, but this this Burnley team is is not one to lay down and just roll over. Um, you know they they put their fight in and you know they I think their goal was a little bit lucky in this one honestly. Um, Odebear, it's a great strike, but it does take a little bit of a flick or a, sorry not a flick a uh, a touch I guess off the defender which um, deflects it kind of out of reach of, of the Brighton's uh, keeper, which, you know, it happens. Not much you can do with that. Um, I thought Brighton showed pretty good fight to, to get back into the game, but Burnley defensively was just popping off. Um, Trafford had, like, ten saves in this game and some huge ones, um, especially towards the end of the game, to, to salvage a point for Burnley here, which, you know, for where they're at in the table um, is huge. You know, Brighton on paper probably should breeze past Burnley, but they had the uh, the fight and um, I don't know, the, the grit, I guess, to to get by uh, and get a point away from home, which is definitely big. Um, one stat I did catch, though, which was uh, kind of interesting, I didn't realize, um, that Brighton is, is one of well, for this game, it was one of three, but now it's one of two uh, teams that have yet to keep a clean sheet in the league, which is certainly concerning for Brighton. Um, you got to get some clean sheets in there just to kind of, like, 
rally your defense, I think, and and, and get them all on the same page. And, um, you know, it was Brighton, uh, Sheffield, and Luton without a clean sheet. Sheffield, uh, you know, got their clean sheet this week, actually. But, uh, so, you know, you're, you're in company with Luton, which um, Luton is, you know, certainly not a bad team, but newly promoted side... You know, struggling so far, not surprised that they haven't kept a clean sheet. Brighton, on the other hand, I think, should have enough quality in their defensive end to maintain a clean sheet. I don't want to say it's this, like, pick-a-new-keeper-every-week sort of deal that's causing issue, but I think that does disrupt it, right? Because you have you have your, your defensive line, and they work in... in in tandem with the keeper, right? Um, whether it's positioning, call-outs, um, just kind of like the chemistry, right? Um, and changing keeper in and out every game or every other game or or however often Deserby decides to because there seems to be almost no, uh, no pattern to it. Um, it's got to just be a little disrupting. Uh, you know, I know Dunk is it had missed a game uh, or two for the suspension. Uh, Stupinian was out. Uh, Pascal Gross uh, just came back, so that's kind of big. But, yeah, you know, I think Brighton would like to find a, a clean sheet here in the next few games just to kind of solidify their, their defensive posture, I guess, right? Um, you can win games. You're, you're playing the, the Arsenal... Um, under Unai Emery approach, right? Of like, we might not keep the clean sheets, but we're just going to outscore the other teams. But right now, you're just not outscoring the other teams either. So you got to find something. Um, you know, I, I think Deserby should kind of focus on the defense right now. Your attacking side is coming back together, bits and pieces, but um, I think that'll be easier to figure out where the defensive end just uh, will take some more time and a little more focus and training to um, to get those consistent clean sheets to to help you get three points rather than you know a a one point takeaway against against Burnley. Uh, but yeah, you know, a good fight from both teams to to get a point out of that game. Honestly, um, on to Sheffield versus Brentford, maybe the surprise of. Uh, of the weekend, um, you know, Sheffield is, I think this is their second game, um, with their new manager, well, Chris Wilder, I think it is, um, returning, I guess, so, new for now, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a 1-0 win at home against Brentford, it's pretty big, um, you know, Sheffield certainly needs the points, and, and the clean sheet is certainly nice to, <laughs> to, to not add to their, their goal differential in a negative way, because for a while they were, you know, shipping off five goals every week, and, um, that was not gonna cut it. It was maybe gonna get you a record for most goals conceded, but I don't know if you want that one. <laughs> Anywho, um... Onyeka had a, a a pretty harsh challenge um, kind of early on. I think he's very lucky to have stayed on this game um, from that challenge. We've seen those those challenges in, in recent weeks be just uh, the straight red because it's a you know step on you know foot ankle lower leg area has been just easy peasy red card 
get him out the game. Um, I, I don't know. I guess maybe refing and and VAR have softened on that to maybe let, let some of these more physical challenges go. Um, so he benefited from that, I guess. Uh, yeah, he he stays on. Um, lucky for him, though. I think I think he probably should have been sent off for that tackle. Um, yeah. McAtee, great curling strike from top of the box to give Sheffield the lead. Uh, another nomination for goal of the week here. It, it, I mean, those ones are just so nice to watch. It, it, nice, good power, good curl, finds the corner of the, the goal. You love to see it. Um, there was a moment in this game where, where Fodderingham is, is going to kick the ball from his, his goal, like drop kick it. Um, and Mope is just kind of standing in his way to deny the play that they're making of, I think they're going from like left to right pretty much all game on those goal kicks. And, um, you know, Mope's, he's the guy that's going to like mess with you a little bit, um, cause some, some stress, some, some issue for you just because that's part of his game. Um, but here, I, you know, he, he ends up blocking the kick and the ref, you know, calls a foul and, and lets Fodderingham take a, a free kick um, to re- replace the goal kick, essentially, um, drop kick. Um, but I don't think that's the right call here, honestly, because Mope, while close to Fodderingham, is outside of the box with his back turned. So, for me, he's not doing anything wrong there. It's more Fodderingham has taken the... He's in the wrong place to take that kick himself, right? Because you see that there's someone in front of you potentially blocking your kick or, you know, making it more difficult than if you took the kick elsewhere. But he proceeds to do it. Um, I mean, I, I don't know that Mope would have gotten to that ball anyway. I, I think Fodderingham would have um, collected that ball back up. No worries. But I, I do wonder if if that ball gets blocked by Mope and just deflects back into the goal. Um, I don't know what the ref would have done. Because he called a foul here, but when it goes to a goal, I think you maybe give the goal and then let VAR decide. And in that case, I think I think Mope would be fine, right? Because he's outside of the box. He's not like jumping and waving his arms, trying to actively block it. He's just standing outside of the box and turns his back as the kick's about to be taken and it comes off of him. So, weird moment. Um, yeah, and I don't know if anything would have changed had that not been called a foul, but um, yeah, I'm not one to really support Neil Mope because he burned Leno and, and, you know, all his drama with Arsenal over the years, but um, I think he, he got it right on that one, but whatever. Um, big win for Sheffield. They need the points. Um, still in last place, but now level on points with Burnley and only one off Luton. So safety's still far out of reach, but any points will help at this point, especially a win. Okay, let's get into Villa and Arsenal. Let me take a drink first. Okay, okay. So Villa coming off a big win. Uh, midweek against City. Um, they're feeling good. It's another game at home. 
you know, the the confidence is high. Unai's got everyone running full 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 bore. Um yeah, you know, it 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 was always going to be a tough game. Villa heading into this, I think it was 14 games unbeaten at home. Their last defeat at home was against Arsenal last season. So their home form has been outstanding. Um yeah, and and as shaky as some of their moments have been in the earlier part of the season, they're definitely coming together, really figuring it out what they're uh, what they're about, what Emery wants them to do, right? Um, so here come Arsenal, you know, um, league leaders going into the weekend. Uh, at this point, technically Liverpool was above, but they just played earlier. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was an interesting watch, I'll say. Um, you know, it it starts pretty hot. Um, Villa's all over the place, making good runs. Uh, you know, six, seven minutes in, Bailey makes a great run. Um, finds that pass to McGinn in the box, and, and he, he slots at home. That's, you know, great start for Villa. Probably one of the worst starts you could have for, for Arsenal. Um, and I think this was just... Uh, I don't want to say... Maybe not, like individual mistakes, but um, being a little overactive, maybe? Um, that pass at the halfway line comes inside, and Zinchenko kind of follows that ball in towards Gabriel, um, and and by doing that, it leaves Bailey wide open on the, on the, on the wing, right? So, um, I think that's mostly fine. We see that happen quite a bit of just kind of suffocating the, the play right there. Uh, but you got to block that pass, right? They did not, so that ball finds Bailey. You know, he's quick. You know, he's he's technical um, with his dribbling. And it kind of just puts Gabrielle in a tough spot because now he has to go out and cover that um, and does a pretty good job of it. I think my bigger issue is Declan Rice leaving the middle of the box to go help Gabrielle in this, because um, he goes kind of like all the way towards the end line as uh, as Bailey's kind of moving somewhat past Gabrielle here, um, and Declan Rice leaves that middle part of the box, which maybe someone's supposed to fill in once he moves, I don't know, but it leaves quite a big hole there, center of the box, where McGinn finds the space. Um, again, this could work out fine. This could be pretty normal, um, but you got to block the pass, right? And and they don't, obviously. And McGinn slots it in nice and easy. Um, boom, done, right? You're thinking, oh, I don't know, maybe you know they did 22 shots or whatever versus City's two midweek. Is this going to be one of those games? Um, but no, like this was this was Villa's big moment, right? They um, they didn't do much after that. They, it really was like Arsenal kind of controlling this game and um, not dominating, I'd say, but but definitely having a uh, a firmer grip of the game than a one nil loss would show. I think um, they just they lacked the finishing. They lacked the uh, a little bit of the creative spark, I'd say. There were definitely some moments. Um, but Odegaard, you know, missed two 
big chances, maybe three if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, it, it just happened to be one of those games where the shots just wouldn't go in, right? Or Martinez would make a good save, which credit to him. But uh, it felt like it felt like playing FIFA. One of those games where like you're you got the ball, you're playing the game, you're kind of controlling things. Uh, you get down there and you're taking the same shots you always do. You know, putting the same power on it, choosing the 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 same side, same corner, whatever, and it just is not going in or their keepers popping off and <laughs> making every save. Um, it felt like that. It, it was one of those games where it just didn't really fall Arsenal's way, which, um, you know, it happens. It That's that's sport, right? Sometimes you can be the better team and it just not, not click for you. Um, but, you know, this was always going to be a tough game, so to see Arsenal go out there and I'd say really take it to Villa... Um, was nice to see. I think, I think this is, this is how all these like top four, five, six team games will go, right? You know, we saw Arsenal and Man City earlier in the season, and it was it was tight like this. It you know one goal margin. Um, Villa and Arsenal obviously one goal margin here. Um, I think that's just how these games are going to go. It's going to take a team making a mistake and and the other team capitalizing on that mistake to really figure out. Um, or to, to to get the win in these games because it is just like this table is just crazy right now. There's so many teams that are performing really well and and finding the wins and um, that's how it goes sometimes. It, it's it's just you want the win obviously, but it can't always be that way. Um, there were some VAR moments I I think we need to talk about. Um, okay, so. Crystal Palace gets the penalty for a very similar kick on Gabriel Jesus. Um, again, I'm I'm saying these are soft, but <laughs> the 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 refing Premier League refs and VAR just called this five hours earlier, right? So you gotta, I think, um, for the sake of consistency, call this. It, it it's soft. I am fully agreeing with that. Um, but I think just because we saw it earlier, like you you almost have to. Your hands are almost tied with this call. Um, so that that's a bummer to see it go two different ways in one weekend. Oh well. <laughs> um, there was a uh, Diego Carlos like straight elbow on Anketi away off the ball. Uh, don't know what happened there. It like Diego Carlos is turning to to kind of I guess track Enketia here, but it's a uh, he sees him on on his backside and just like full elbow like with force turn into Enketia and my God, if VAR is not going to call that, you know, using your your forearm elbow whatever as a weapon, then. It's uh, put them bows out and just start swinging them because you're getting away with everything this season. Um, yeah, that one was really surprising, honestly, because like you see uh, you see these elbows and and normally they are called, but um, not this season. And I don't know why. Like it that one especially. It, it's not that they're both challenging for the ball in the air or anything. Um, that was off the ball, right? And that's just a straight elbow to the head. And for VAR to not 
not want to really do anything with that. I don't know. I don't really want to get into the like conspiracy side of it that because Arteta called out some of the the roughing after the Newcastle game that they're being um I guess like not not helping Arsenal when they need to. I don't I don't want to get into that necessarily, but like this is now two elbows that have gone unpunished. So interesting. Um and then, you know, in Arsenal fashion, trying to get a late goal nearly does. Um, it's a mess of handballs. Uh, I think it's this is a uh, a fault of the handball rule, right? Um, ball comes in, hits Matty Cash, maybe on the arm, or it might be high enough on like upper arm, shoulder area that they wouldn't call it a handball anyway. Um, pops off of Havertz, I think more chest than hand, honestly. Uh, you know, back onto Matty Cash, which then is a clear handball, which then pops back onto Havertz's hands. Um, there's, you know, a, another maybe handball or two in there. Um, and then Kai <coughs> kicks it in. Should Looks like it's a goal, right? It's just, uh, it's a weird one. Um, you know, ref calls it a handball on the field, so he's, I don't know, maybe 20 yards away? Like, that's pretty good vision to to see a handball that far away in that tight little mess that they were. But, um, I don't, I don't, I think it's probably the right call at the end of the day. I think it's just the, the handball rule is so... Um, it's one big gray area, right? Like, is it, Did they both handle the ball? Yeah. Um, both unintentionally, though, I'd say. And if you go to, you know, who handled the ball first out of a natural position, I think you could argue Matty Cash. Um... But then, it, you know, the the current ruling on it is if the scoring player handles the ball intentionally or unintentionally and it leads to a goal, uh, then that goal has to be called off. So by that ruling, this is correct. But if all of that, like, back-and-forth handball action happens and it happens to fall to Nketiah, who's right there, and he kicks it in, I think that goal stands. Because um, I don't think... I don't think you would call a handball necessarily on either one of them because it is such close quarters balls bouncing back and forth um I don't know it's a really weird one I think the handball rule needs a little bit more um strictness or like guideline to it 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 sometimes seems to like really benefit defenders which I think is mostly fair um I think, you know, if the scoring player had handled the ball prior to that and it leads to a goal, I think that's fair, but I think there has to be a little bit more uh, nuance in that, right? Of, like, I mean, if it's intentional and obviously, like, you know, that you got to call that a handball anyway, but if it is unintentional, um, you know, 
in in a uh, a natural position, I guess. Like, I think you maybe let that go. I don't know. Um, and that's not just because like I want Arsenal to get a point here. That's that's just that handball rule is is. I feel like it changes every season. They gotta kind of lock it down at this point. It, it's it's too wishy-washy. I need black and white on this. With a little bit of nuance, but like mostly black and white. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, bummer for Arsenal to not get the win, but uh, good on Villa. You know, they're they're riding high. Um, I do think Arsenal kind of outplayed them at home, which I'm happy to see. Um, you know, Arsenal's still looking threatening, and and like Arteta said, he wants to dominate games, and I think he very nearly did. Um, and I think that's maybe a little bit to uh, because of, of Villa playing later in midweek and giving a lot against City, um, so they were probably a little bit more fatigued going into this. But um, yeah, you know, without getting too much into Arteta drama, um, they're still waiting for the FA to to decide his punishment for his Newcastle comments and. There's certainly a strong feeling in the the Arsenal fan ship um, that this ban it, that it will be a ban and it'll come right in time for the Liverpool game. Which, if that's the case, then they're just the FA's just just messing around now. They're they're doing whatever they want. Um, so yeah, we'll see. But like, either figure that out or don't. Like like say you're gonna to give him some punishment or just like we had our talk, we had our meeting, let's move forward sort of thing. Um, but really, like, it's still just so bad. You know, Arteta's getting asked questions about these calls and stuff um, after the, the game, and he can't really say anything because, you know, he doesn't want to put himself, the club, or the team in any sort of more risk. So you're just, you're, you're not letting coaches or players talk about moments in the game and, and big moments in the game because you don't want your refs to be criticized or, like, the calls to be criticized, which, like, I get a little bit. You don't want to... You don't want the mistrust around the refs and, and all that, and you want to keep that respect and, like, kind of level of authority and all that, but, like, you got to be able to comment on it, right? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so that was Saturday games done. Um, Sunday, there's still some excitement, you know. Um, Everton versus Chelsea. We said last week, Everton at home against Chelsea, it's going to be an Everton win, and we were correct. Um, Everton is, is doing exactly what I thought they would do, but it took them a while to get here. Um, they're keeping it pretty scrappy, uh, you know, high energy, but staying really organized especially in defense, um, which is like Sean Dyche bread and butter, right? Like scrappy fight for the win, but we don't, we don't let you get a goal easy peasy. Um, and they did that here and, and, and Chelsea as much talent as might be in the squad again, could not get anything done. Um, you know, Mudrick time and time again was, was fed the ball on that, that left swing and was running it down and, he gets to that final third, and I swear to you, he his mind goes blank as he enters the final third. He either crosses that thing like 
terribly far or or way off target makes the worst pass or wants to try and dribble in and shoot and just like dribbles straight into the guy and like forgets any dribbling skill he might have <laughs> so you know just Chelsea doing Chelsea things but um yeah not too much more to say about this I think the question marks has to come up like can you put Pochettino in the hot seat I don't know if you can like where do they go from here um, I'm sure that you can find another manager that'll jump at the opportunity to, to come into Premier League at a you know, big team and a team that's willing to spend money. Um, so I think you could find a replacement. I don't know if there is a good replacement, though. Like, Pochettino should be the guy you want to kind of build with. Um, unfortunately, you brought in a lot of players prior to him getting there. So... Um, and they're on long contracts, so you're kind of stuck with what you got. Um, I did see Pochettino today publicly calling for for more transfers in the January market. Um, I think he said he wants a striker, a midfielder, and a defender, which, like, I mean, Chelsea and strikers we know is, is a poisoned chalice, right? Um, you know, they will throw money at, at strikers and, and players in general, and that doesn't necessarily always pan out. Um, so we'll see what they do. You know, spend more money. Um, I'll be surprised if it's more young guys on super long contracts. I think Pochettino will want to get some experienced players in there. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they do. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Luton versus Man City. Um, no Holland and no Doku for this. Uh, Holland, I think, had a foot injury, and Doku, I think, was like ankle injury or something. So, missing two key players, but you'd get Rodri back and Grealish back from their yellow card suspensions. Um, this game pretty much played out as we expected. Um, you know, it was... All City, just really running the, the game. Um, Luton was standing really firm, really strong, though, uh, to not let in an early goal, um, or nothing too easy, at least. Um, and then, man, Luton had this, you know, great moment right before half to, to take the lead, and, you know, everyone's, like, eyebrows raised at that point, like, oh, this might be a game, and, and you know, Man City's been on this not losing, but not winning streak um so to see Luton go up into halftime was that's exciting right everyone loved that <laughs> and uh you know second half starts city comes back out remembers how to play um and yeah you know Luton kind of fall apart in a span of I think like two and a half minutes which is a bummer um that second goal especially it was just like a little bit luck on Man City's part that it it you know pops off I think Alvarez's like neck, chin, or whatever, and, uh, you know, kind of starts a counterattack from there, but then just the defending still from Luton at that point was just miserable. It, the, that ball rolls across the, the box, and um, whoever the defender was at the back, like, kind of tries to clear it, but wants the ball to get past him so then he can turn onto it to clear it, and he just, it just brain melts and, you know, completely misses the ball, and of course Grealish is there to pick it up and, and slot it home. Um, 
yeah, so that's a bummer that uh, the possibility of a Man City loss was was gone in an instant. <laughs> yeah, um, Jacob Brown, I think, is very lucky to have stayed on. He uh, it was similar to uh, um, Onyeka's tackle. Um, that like kind of step on the foot, ankle, lower leg. Um, this one was probably even more egregious than that one, though. And I don't know. It VAR checked it, said the yellow was fine. Um, at least publicly, they only showed the one view, which I don't think really did the tackle justice. Um, but I think it still showed enough to to warrant a red card for a, you know a serious foul play, dangerous tackle. Um, yeah, I, you know, I guess lucky for Luton they didn't have to lose a defender there, uh, or a, a player there, but yeah, they couldn't get a goal back. So, you know, City get a return to, to winning ways, but um, it was nice to see them not win in, like, four games. So, let's keep that rolling, people. <laughs> um, but on to a team that is flying high, Fulham. Who knew? <laughs> Fulham, Fulham, Fulham. Another 5-0 win for Fulham. Like, what? <laughs> um, it, I don't know. It, it, I would not have predicted a 5-0 win against West Ham, especially how uh, after how West Ham played last week. Uh, I think David Moyes just didn't learn from, from what worked, I guess. Uh, he you know, tinkered with the lineup and, and set up again, um, playing Bowen up top instead of on the wing, which I think was a mistake. I think Bowen is, is a much better threat from the wing. Um, Kudis, you know, started, kind of like played that wing role, but I don't think that's where he's best utilized. He has, he has the speed and, and, you know, technicality in his play to, to be a winger, but, um, I think in, as we saw last game, I think him up top is a little bit more threatening, and uh, I would have liked to see that more than Bowen up there, um, but wow, Fulham, um, you know, Polina with a great ball into Jimenez um, to, to get the scoring started, and I think, you know, once that goal went in, it looked like West Ham just, I don't know, they almost like checked out right at that point, it, they seemed so static, and um just so often caught ball watching, and you know, uh, Fulham took advantage of that. Right? They, they, what they, West Ham wouldn't really press them too much. Uh, we gave them a lot of time and, and space on the ball, and let Fulham play their game. And West Ham got really punished for it. Um, there, what Tosin uh, gets a goal. Um, I think it probably should have been an own goal, though. Not that it really matters too much at this point. Like, he definitely heads it on target, but then uh, Kufal, maybe, like, flicks it on. So, I don't know. To me, that looks a little bit more own goalie than, uh, you know, just a, a harsh deflection or something. But, uh, whatever. It doesn't really matter in the end, I guess. Uh, Fulham flying high. Um, yeah, let's jump into the last game of the week. Tottenham versus Newcastle. Should be a fun one, right? Both very energetic and attacking teams. Um, it was not. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, 4-1 to, to Spurs at home. Um, 
you know, Tottenham get back to, to their winning ways after a little bit of a rough patch, getting some guys back from, from suspension and injury, so that's certainly a plus for them. Um, but but Sun is out there just... Sun on the wing, I think, is is such a different beast than Sun playing up top. Um, you know, in his years with Harry Kane, Harry Kane obviously is up top and Sun's on the wing, and we saw so many great connections between the two of them and how they work together, and um, rightfully so. I think Sun was moved to the, to the center um, once Kane left, because he probably is your, your best striker. Um, but, I mean, seeing him now on the wing with the Charleston up top, Sun just looked like his old self, right? Um, causing a lot of issue. I think he got, um, what, two assists? Yeah, one goal, two assists in this game. Um, so he was cooking out there, and he made Trippier look like a damn fool. Uh, just, like, kind of stutter-stepping up to him, and, and Trippier could not handle it one bit. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that that's great for, for Tottenham. I think that's probably their formation moving forward. Um, not a great look for Newcastle. You know, Richarlson has not scored a lot, and you let him get two on you, which is not good. <laughs> um, I think I think Newcastle is certainly feeling the effects of um, all their injuries, so they can't rotate as much as they might want to. Um, and I think you're kind of just seeing maybe not a lack of skill that's in that team, but... Um, I think some of that like weird new manager, new owner juju is like wearing off a little bit. Um, Isak doesn't look like a great striker at this point, which is disappointing. And uh, the rest of the team is just a little bit flat. And I get it; they don't have a lot of options to rotate um, or even you know subs to bring in. They're playing some young guys out there, which uh, you know you have to sometimes, but. 4-1 away at, at Tottenham is, is certainly not a good look. Um, they now have lost six this season, which I think their top four hopes are probably fading away pretty quick here. Um, yeah, certainly not the season they, they had in mind, you know, return to Champions League. Um, maybe you go all in on that, and, you know, if, if you can kind of salvage a... Uh, Five, six, seven, eighth position in in the league, but go far in Champions League. I think you can still call it somewhat a successful season. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, last little thing on this this game though was uh, Romero again with just a bad tackle. Um, you know the same one we saw from Onyeka and the same one we saw from Brown of that step on the the foot, ankle, lower leg area like. The same one he got red carded for, uh, you know, a few games back. So he's not learned a lesson, that's for sure. But uh, I think probably lucky to only get a yellow on this. Like I don't know when that ruling changed, but uh, VAR is is saying it's okay. You know, I guess maybe being a little more lenient, saying like it maybe wasn't intentional if it was missed times. But I think. I think these are red card challenges and you know three players were lucky this this week to get away with that um I wouldn't be surprised if next week someone makes this challenge and it's a red card because 
I think it always has been and it always will be, except for this weekend for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, maybe the refs are feeling the, the fatigue from midweek matches as well. Um, you know, I guess maybe we don't take that into account, but like, with VAR, I think you should see these and see the uh, the the danger of these tackles and be able to give a red card pretty easy for that. So I don't know. That's that's what it is. Um, yeah, what a weekend of, of footy. Um, you know, some some surprising results in there. Some not so surprising. This table is getting crazy um you know liverpool take the lead now at, at 37 points with arsenal right behind them at 36 villa at third with 35 city at 33 tottenham 30 um you know that that top five is very tight you know man U's right behind at 27 but i don't think they're going to stay up in that realm um for much longer yeah you know it's it's been a great season so far. It, it, very exciting stuff. I'd rather this table be tight and um, you know switch back and forth, and especially with the uh, the dark horse of Aston Villa. Like again, like I said last week, the mission needs to be get City out of Champions League. If we could knock City out of fourth place, the madness that would ensue at the end of the season, I think, would be incredible. So. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, heading into next week, um, I think your your biggest games are, are probably Arsenal and Brighton and Liverpool and Man United. Um, I think Arsenal should be okay against this Brighton team. It's Arsenal at home, so they could probably uh, bounce back here. Um, but I think all eyes on that Liverpool versus Man U game... Um, Especially coming off that that seven seven goal thriller <laughs> last season, I think fans and the team may want a uh, a redo of that, right? Like round two, um, it'll be an interesting watch for sure. Um, but here I are, no Michael, so I get full say of the best of the week. <laughs> Uh, and honestly, you know, goal-wise, nothing was, like, super crazy. But, uh, man, I think I I got Harvey Elliott in there, um, James McAtee for sure, and um, I think it's, his name's Harry Wilson from Fulham? Hang on, let me, let me double-check this. Pro podcaster here, slow down. Um, yeah, Harry Wilson. Um, all three were, were great strikes. Um, you know, you love to see the, these beautiful goals go in. Uh, all three fairly similar, I'd say. So I, I think I got to go Harvey Elliott on this purely for the context. Um, you know, it is Crystal Palace. I think Liverpool shouldn't have been in this position that they were in. But. That's a big goal to get right at the start of stoppage time. Um, yeah, Harvey Elliott, take a bow. It's a great strike at a great moment. Gets your team to three points. Boom, done. Uh, player of the week, I got Allison on the list for, for three big saves. Um, you can't deny Salah's impact, a goal and assist here. Um, Trafford, you know, Burnley couldn't get the win, but he had ten saves, which is, is pretty incredible. Um and 
a lot of those were great saves. Um, and of course, Sun with one goal, two assists. Um, this is a little bit more difficult than I than I thought it might be, honestly. On one hand, Trafford with ten saves is like kind of my standout, I think. Um, but Allison made some massive saves to keep Liverpool in this game at times and to keep the three points. So that's big. Um, you know, Tottenham going 4-1 over Newcastle is certainly a, a great result. But uh, maybe not as surprising as, as we might think. Um, mm -mm -mm. You know what? This is my podcast this week, so we're going Allison and Trafford. Allison, these big key saves, keeps Liverpool in it, uh, gives him the win, and takes him to the top of the table. That's massive. It was only three saves, but massive. Trafford, on the other hand, ten saves. You love to see a keeper having a day, and he was having it. Uh, very nearly got away with the win at Brighton. Um, yeah, keepers, they're doing it. They're 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 the... Players of the Week, Allison Trafford. Uh, team of the Week, I'll give another shout-out to Fulham. Another 5-0 win, but it's got to be Bournemouth. Away at United, 3-0, nearly 4-0. <sighs> we love to see United fail, and, uh, you know, thank you, Bournemouth, for, for doing it. Um, yeah, it's got to be Bournemouth. 3-0 away at United? Oof, that club... They're going through some stuff, and have been for a while. So, Bournemouth take advantage of that. Get team of the week. Um, yeah, you know, that's how we do it. I somehow almost went for an hour on this. So, if Michael was here, maybe this would have been even longer. Who knows? But, uh, he should be back next week. Fully recovered, match fit, you know, firing on all cylinders. Um, maybe I won't make this so dark next time. The light's different, you know? I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's been Hooligan's Pitch, episode 54? Question mark. Um, yeah, 54. Episode 54 in the book, solo edition. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.